Hello, cooperatives, and welcome to the Jack and PK Co-op Gaming Podcast, the father-son podcast that talks about games you could play with your kids. I'm your host, PK, and this is my co-host, Jack. Hi! All right, today we're uh, talking about Legend of Mana. Is this a game that every kid could play with their parent, or could they play on their own? We're going to discuss that. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about Legend of Mana. Um, Legend of Mana, it was originally available on PS1, PS3, PSP, and PS Vita. And that was my uh, first experience playing it. And um, they've uh, remastered the game, and it's available on PS4 and Nintendo Switch. Now, the PS3 version, of course, was like, yeah, like $6 on the PS Store, and the physical version's kind of expensive nowadays on PS1. Currently, there's not a North American physical release on PS4 and um, Nintendo Switch, but you can actually buy the Asian version on PlayAsia, which has English. The nice thing, too, is those copies are region-free on PS4 and Nintendo Switch. I own the Switch version physically, and I did an unboxing of it on my YouTube channel, PK in the Universe, so if you're curious what it looks like, come check that out. I bought the PS4 version digitally day one because it came with 10 free Legend of Mana avatars and a PS4-themed background. Plus, I was interested in the in earning in-game trophies, so if you like earning in-game trophies, that's uh, something to think about. There are some great ways to play the game, and I highly recommend the Switch and PS4 remastered versions. There are some great ways to play this game, and I highly recommend the Switch and PS4 remastered versions. It's definitely not just a simple port of the PS1 version. They did a great job overhauling the game, and not only that, they altered the aesthetics and rearranged the music, but they made some really significant quality of life improvements, which I will talk more about later. Legend of Mana is a very special game. It means a lot to me. This, is, this will probably be the longest podcast we've made so far. I have a lot to say about this game. It's a game I've invested over 40 hours in between the original, the Switch version, and the PS4 version. The PS4 version is the one I primarily play. Jack has also started a file on the PS4 version. Jack, which person did you choose? And what did you name your character? I choose the girl person. I named it May because my sister's name. That's right. Jack Jack has a sister named Maeve, so we, uh, yeah, we chose that as the name. What is our history with the Mana series? Final Fantasy Adventure was the first experience with this series I ever had. I'm 37 years old, and a lot of people my age grew up playing the game on the Game Boy. But my first experience was playing it on the Switch. But when, when and where I started playing it is a really hard story for me to tell. So I started playing this game actually when Jack was in the hospital when he was three years old. Um, he had had viral pneumonia and it was really, it was a tough deal. And, um, after I finished Final Fantasy Adventure, I wanted more. I wanted to play another mana game. I started looking up reviews for the next two games and I wasn't really that impressed, which a lot of people really love Secret of Mana and Trials of Mana. I actually have the Trials of Mana remake on Switch and I played a little bit of it and really enjoyed that. Then I came across a review for Legend of Mana. It was from a YouTuber named Lady Pelvic who is well known for making great RPG reviews, and her review of Legend of Mana was so good. It was very much to the point and told me just enough to get me hooked on the idea of getting this game. So then I downloaded the game on PS3, and I've never looked back. Maeve was born July 15th of this last year. In fact, she's a year old now. The original Legend of Mana came out in Japan on July 15th, 1999. I ordered the physical version from PlayAsia, and it was the first game I got after we got home from the hospital after Maeve was born. How would you describe this game, Jack? What would you call this kind of game? I think it would be like a really fun game 
for grown-ups and kids to play together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but and so, but what kind of game do you think of it as? Like, what? What's the gameplay style? I think it's like um, maybe like like um, like really cool or something. What do you do in the game exactly? So you um, ride around and you can, and at one point you can fight up officer sorcerers and then they can help you at the house and you can play two player two mm -hmm. and it's a really good game and one time i beat a boss all of myself i was tell, tell my daddy to help me with bosses yeah you beat a couple of bosses yeah so this game is it's kind of really interesting and unique it is an action jrpg a side-scrolling beat-em-up a farming game a monster raising game it's a weapons and instruments and robot crafting game, a world builder, and a detective game. It sounds very overwhelming when we say all these things out loud, but many of the aspects are optional parts of the game. So let's talk about what is this game about. Um, it is the fourth Saikinden Setsu, aka Mana game, but is not a direct sequel to any of the previous titles. So it doesn't matter if you've played any of the other Mana games. It's good if you have played them though, because there's so many elements that call back to previous mana games, like the mana tree and uh, the, the rabbites or whatever. And the game is truly retro in every sense of the word. It's an old game, it's been modernized, yet still stays true to its roots. This is an action RPG in which players assume the role of the hero or heroine of a quest to restore the legendary mana tree. These are unnamed protagonists, but there is a Legend of Mana manga where they're referred to as Toto and Uma. There's also going to be a Legend of Mana anime in the future where the main character is referred to as Shiloh. It's the male character. I think the game aesthetically looks like a classic children's book. A friend of mine, Simon Stevens, once referred to it as a video game pop-up book for the ages. I love the 32-bit pixel style of the original PS1 version, and when the remake was announced, I was a bit skeptical of the graphical style. But then I kept seeing more screenshots. I see how they painted over the original and made it look really well refined. I've really grown to love this style. It's also nice that you can change the music or whatever, and there's rearranged versions. I also like the original too. I will say though, I wish they had done a little more of the character sprites because I feel like they don't do didn't do a lot more with those and they looked about the same. And it looks weird kind of in the background a bit. But enough about that. Let's go to the premise. The premise is a long time ago, people stopped believing in the mana tree and it died. And now some people think we should believe in it again. And in the game, you are given things called artifacts. The artifacts give you access to specific places in the world, and you have to place those artifacts in a specific place on the world map. And that can affect how the game is played and what parts of the land will be open to you. Like Jack and I are uh, looking at his file and there's like a hook artifact, and for some reason we can't place it. And we're not sure why exactly. We think maybe we were supposed to have placed it sooner or later, but maybe we will be able to place it eventually. But for the most part, we haven't had any trouble placing any of the other artifacts. The game is an open world game and it's a choice driven game. It's very much a choose your own adventure kind of game. A lot of the choices you make throughout the game have serious consequences that affect the outcome of the story. This is an important life lesson to teach kids. The game basically mostly consists of side quests with three main story arcs, the dragon arc, the fairy arc, and the jumi arc. Some of these are more connected than others. There are 25 artifacts and 67 total stories one could experience, not counting the final one. In theory, you could play only 14 stories 
but you have to lay down a minimum of 18 artifacts on the map to finish the game. So the mana tree will grow, which you will need to do to initiate the final mission. It has a new game plus mode, which lets you retain the level you've accumulated and also makes it so you don't have to go through the crafting tutorial all over again if you've experienced them. This game is designed for multiple playthroughs. What is the ESRB rating? This game is rated T for teen. There's actually no common sense media reviews of it. This really puzzled me why it was rated T, since this game is so charming and downright silly at times. But there are some things in this game and certain missions that can be a little off-putting and are so different from the rest of the game's overall tone. Some of this stuff just seems out of place when you consider what we're looking at here. From a side-scrolling perspective, players explore environments, caves, forests, beaches, complete quests, interact with characters, and engage in melee-style combat against fantasy creatures. Giant eyeballs, sirens, vampires, and zombies even. Players use swords, spears, bows, magic spells to defeat enemies. Some attack attacks cause splashes of blood to appear as characters are hit. If your child is uncomfortable or not mature enough with cartoon violence, this game might not be for them right now. Um, yeah, so the blood aspect, let's talk about that because it's kind of, it's not with every single character or bad guy, actually. The blood aspect is something I need to address. This is something I initially didn't first notice and that's and that could be because the size of my TV, but it didn't seem all that graphic. I didn't feel like I was playing Mortal Kombat 2 or something. This doesn't happen in every single enemy. It's always very specific enemies, such as zombies and vampires. But also, like, the the white rabbits can, like, bite you and blood... And, like, Jack thought, he goes, is this... Is this ketchup spitting or something? Are they spitting ketchup at me? Yeah. So I guess you could do that. Say, tell them that. There's a solution to this, though. The nice thing about the remaster is you can actually turn off encounters. So you could go through the entire level of something and not actually fight any of the other characters. So if there's characters that are, you know, are more adult and you don't feel like your child can deal with that, then you can actually turn that off. Another thing that's great about this game too is that this game is very like detective focused. There's a lot of parts of the game that are very um, detective like. So you're not actually doing any fighting per se in some of these some of these um, adventures. But now if there's a final boss fight, now you can't actually turn off encounters for that. You still have to fight like a boss of each little chapter. From my experience, most of the bosses do not have blood though. Another thing they, to mention is some of the battles are have sometimes frantic or impact sounds like explosions and screen shaking effects. If this bothers your kid, I would definitely turn encounters off. The nice thing, yeah, again about this is this game's all about exploring and having fun. A handful of sequences contain suggestive dialogue. I felt those scenes were very odd to say the least. Many of these scenes would probably go over the, your average kid's head, especially my son who is only five years old. The only thing you could do is just not read what is in the sequence. After all, there's no voice acting. The majority of what the ESRB is referencing takes place in Popolta Harbor, which you don't technically need to do to finish the game. You could just skip over that entire area, even never play place that artifact that creates that. Some characters depicted as smoking pipes or cigars. There's one derogatory word that's used uh, there, maybe there's two. Maybe there might be two instances, but they're not like really hard words, but they're, I can see why people would say they're inappropriate. My solution is that, yeah, you could always skip over the sequence or just not read it. One of the things that isn't mentioned in the SRB rating for why this is rated T that I thought should have been mentioned earlier is I talked about how there's three main story arcs. 
In the fairy arc, there is an instance where you have to make a choice to take a side where two people are fighting, and whoever side you choose ultimately leads to the demise of the person on the other side. Again, another nice thing about this game is it's an open world game, and you don't have to complete all three arcs. You only have to complete one, so you could totally skip the fairy arc. I feel like we've talked a lot about more problematic things with the game, but I think we should shift in a more positive note. What did you like about this game, Jack? Well, I think I liked, and here's a really cool fun fact. So um, you could um, you can go under those shadows, the fruit of the wise tree that helps you. And I think Sue guys could talk more about that. Yeah, the, he, Jack really liked the farming aspect of it. So there's a tree that's in your home, on your home area, you know, your... <laughs> main area basically a tree with a face and it's a talking tree and you give him seeds and he like grows fruit and you like basically pick the fruit and you give him more seeds and he and so forth and so you can actually like get all those many you know get more fruit so jack really liked the the farming aspect what'd you think of what else did you like jack i think i also liked um that what like i think i just like all of it really fun oh yeah i mean what else did what did you think of the the eggs oh yeah it's really cool so you can press square and um you can um choose meat and then line down the egg and when there's z's above his head you can come on um, press x and then you kind of egg and they can hatch and you can have pets at your barn that's right so that's one of the really cool aspects of this game too is not only can you have like a an extra like um npc like work with you to fight bad guys but you can actually get a um you can actually um catch a monster egg and then the monster eggs like walk around kind of when you can just see their feet kind of thing and but anyways they're always like eating and stuff so you like lay bait for them and you catch them and they when they fall asleep after eating all this good food they you catch them but if you give them the wrong food they won't fall asleep so that's a really cool feature in fact, since we're talking about two players, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about how how do we play this game like one player or two player. One of the more unique things about this game and the Mana series in general is that it is a local multiplayer RPG. In the case of this game, it's a two-player game. One player and two player can be turned off anytime, at least in the remastered version. Oftentimes, when you go on quests, this game you get paired up with a specific partner. For example, in the Jumi arc, you may be paired with Alazul, and if you were playing by yourself, that character will act as an AI protagonist that fights alongside you. But you can also turn on two player and let a friend with another controller play as that character. Now, if you're in a situation where there's no need for a second character required, you can go to the house of, in uh, Domina. Domina is like the main town in this game. Domina is basically the high rule of this game. It is like the main hub for the world. And if someone else has started a file, you can select that file and that person's character will become play a playable character and follow you. The character that you have selected from the other file can either be played as an AI or a person who has a second controller and can play as that character. Sometimes Jack and I have played together and sometimes I have accessed his character and recruited them and used that character to help me go through different places. Best of all, that character you recruit will gain experience points that you can take back to your file and will be there the next time you play that game on your own file. This is just a really cool feature because you can help each other out 
in each other's files. You can even, I think, sell things to each other actually through the files, which is really interesting. This existed in the previous PS1 version, but in those days, a friend who had another memory card and the game would have to bring the memory card over to you to the house to play it. It would be neat if you could transfer information like that on the modern consoles. Jack, what was your favorite town in this game? I think Gato. Oh yeah, the... Or maybe Lumina, I think it's Lumina. Yeah. Lumina is a really cool place because it has the dub bears. Yes, the dub bears are a group of bear, like bear, small bear characters, almost kind of a little bit like Ewoks, I guess. They look like teddy bears, really. And they speak their own unique language. And you like talk to a character who teaches you their language. Oh, and there's this um, little arc where there's this guy and he's really in love with this girl named Monique, who's a lamp maker. And he's this guy, he's kind of a real heel. And you have to help. Um, basically, he tells Monique or whatever that he'll sell all her lamps or whatever. And there's like six lamps and he gives you three and you agree to this like thing. But you got to sell it to these dub bears. And these dub bears don't speak English. They speak their own language. So you talk to this guy and he teaches you the language. What did you think of that, Jack? I think it was really cool. It was like, like dub and dub dub and dud and like stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So what you had to do is figure out what each word meant. Like like dub meant yes and dud meant no. And gack meant they were like, basically it was displeasured. They were like not happy. And uh, so basically, so you had to figure out their language and figure out what the right things to say them were so they would buy the lamp from you. So basically, yeah, you had to sell three different lamps to the dub, dub bears, you know. So you do it for this guy. I can't remember what his name was. In um, so he's really happy. Then he talks to the girl, and she was really happy that they sold the lamp. And, and yeah, Monique. And then they they talk for a bit. You overhear them talking. Basically, what happens is they break up, and because she wants to stay in this in this Lumina place and sell her lamps. It's a story, actually, a really good message. It's about you know basically there's more to life than getting rich. And just doing what you're, but there's so much, you know, joy in doing what you're passionate about. And she was like really passionate about making lamps. And I thought that was a really good life lesson. You know, so many people are caught up in, you know, the ideas of making money. So that was, I thought, a really cool one. So Jack, what was another part of the game you really liked? What was another? So I like, like a snow melt in the desert. They're almost like the same one. And the desert would go in the desert. And the chapter is called Reach the Stars, I think. Oh, yeah, and that was one where, yeah, you fight this, the Reach for the Stars one. Yeah, there was this guy, I can't remember the full details, but the snowman was really interesting because he was there too. So it's the same it's the same character. I can't remember exactly what he did now. Um, but, yeah, the snowman is really rememberable because he's guy, this guy who's like, he's looking for his brother. Well, his, his brother's been turned into like an abominable snowman. And, you know, basically this, supposedly by this, uh, snow witch who he doesn't like and she he thinks she did it but she didn't really do it and he turns into the yeah because he had anyways he turned his brother turned into this uh abominable snowman kind of deal and you have to defeat him something else i think i really particularly enjoy about this game is the bosses aren't particularly hard especially the farther you get in this game so that makes it really good for kids one of the nice things i really like about this game is it doesn't the bosses are pretty easy for the most part 
But even if you have a really underpowered character, it's still possible to beat a lot of these bosses. You can beat so many of them on pure strategy, you know, like going away and your health regenerates actually over time. And um, when you're you're just standing still, I, there's a lot of instances where I maybe like Jack had an underpowered character and I grabbed the controller and played and I beat the beat the bad guy by just pure strategy. Would you recommend this game to kids and families? Yes. Yeah, I would recommend this game to kids, but the caveat is this game should be heavily vetted by your parents. It's something parents and kids should play together. That is the beauty of this game. It is designed to be played in two player. It's a co-op game. I'd also like to say, yeah, it has an amazing soundtrack. The HD remaster channel is rearranged, but it's still very good. Interestingly enough, Yoko Shimomura is the composer of this soundtrack. She also is the composer of Super Mario RPG, which is my favorite game of all time. It makes even more sense now why I'm so drawn to this music. Yeah, I really enjoyed the music so much that I actually bought a couple of the Legend of Mana music boxes for uh, my daughter Maeve. And I think she will really appreciate these when she grows up. And it's awesome, of course, that Jack named his character Maeve. Yeah, I think, yeah, I really enjoyed Legend of Mana. I think it's a game I just keep going back to playing. Like I said, it's a game... That is one of those games that it could be really short or you could make it a really long experience depending on how you choose to play it. It was designed for multiple playthroughs. There's also a character called Little Cactus. Oh man, Jack really loves Little Cactus. So, In fact, I got a Little Cactus plushie for Maeve actually. That was another thing I got. And here's another thing about Little Cactus. So when you finish a level, you go and talk to him and then... He jumps out when you go down the stairs. He jumps out of a pot and right in the diary. It's like a shape, like a leaf. Exactly. Little cactus basically is a cactus, like human-like cactus. He's got like a human-type face, um, and he lives in a pot in your house, and. You tell him your stories every time you finish a chapter, and when you leave the room, he goes and writes in his diary, and you can come back and look at that. And one of, like, a, there's a trophy, in fact, on a PlayStation trophy to um, make sure you get every single little cactus diary entry. So that's something I'm trying to do on my file. So there's a, yeah, it's just a really charming game. It's a game that's about helping people. That's the best I can describe this game, is it's a game about helping people. And it has a lot of great life lessons. What makes this game so special, too, is not, not just the stories, but the characters themselves. The characters have some really interesting life lessons to teach. I don't want to get too deep into what those lessons are, because there's a lot to discover. And you won't necessarily play the game the same way twice each time. But there's a lot to find and discover and enjoy about this game. So anyways, what, are your th what, do, you th what do you think, Jack? What else? Is there anything you wanted to add? Okay, so um, I think... They're really good explain. There's really hard bosses, but it's really good to, for kids to play and stuff. And Maeve is at Georgia right now with her mom. That's right, Maeve's out of town, which we haven't done a podcast in a long time, so I figured this was a great time to do one. We It's been really uh, interesting lately. We haven't done one since November. We haven't put out an episode. We've been pretty busy. Uh, just Jack's finishing up school. Yeah, and there's also like, and then, then soon... We're all, after this, we're going to play Scott Pilgrim, do a podcast about it and Little King Story. And soon we'll talk about that too. All right. We'll, we'll talk about, well, yeah, we'll talk about doing those two in the future. Yes. Jackson plans, Jack and I play Scott Pilgrim versus the world and he loves to play Little King Story. So maybe we'll do some it's future like episodes little, of that. It's almost like Little King's, like Fiend Queens. Yeah. 
So anything else to talk about when it comes to Legend of Mana, Jack? Is is, what, is there something I forgot that you might have remembered? Uh, I think it's like, I think I already heard this maybe, but like pure skill. It's like, yeah, I heard that part. Uh-huh. What else? <laughs> and it's like you can regenerate. And in, in my character, to daddy is like the worst a hammer is the worst weapon for daddy. Yeah, that's one thing about this game is like I'm not there's so many different kinds of weapons. Like I really like a sword or a spear. The hammer weapon is kind of slow. That's one thing that's really interesting about this game is you can craft your own weapons and it makes the game a lot more interesting. And there's also I believe a trophy for using every type of weapon, I want to say. So I need to do that too, but overall, yeah, Legend of Mana is probably one of my favorite games of all time and again, it means, you know, it's so crazy that my daughter happens to be born on its anniversary as well and it's a game that just yeah it's so charming it's it's like it's like i said before it's a pop-up book for the ages that's what simon stevens said and yeah it's just it's a game that's aged incredibly well and i'm glad when they did the remaster that they didn't try to make it look modern they just they really stuck to what it was because that's what really makes it inherently special Back in the late 90s, RPGs were starting to go 3D, like with Final Fantasy VII. So you, you know, so it was kind of odd that this game even existed at all. You know, a 2D RPG, who wants that? And it was open world. It was really, it was really out there. But then again, something like Shenmue also was coming out, but that was 3D. But it was also a open world game. So it was really something else. And I'm glad it's finally has new life that in that was remastered and re-released. I think a lot more people now are seeing it and appreciating it. So I'm really happy that it got re-released. So anyways, yeah, I think it's a game that, yeah, you can play with your kids, but maybe depending on the age of your kid, you really want to vet it. So I don't have anything else. What do you think, Jack? I think you're good. Okay. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a great week. Bye.